0: Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen.
1: Welcome to the Raise Your Game Show, a podcast that unpacks and dissects the strategies and principles of high performance in sports and business. Here's your host. Alan Stein Jr. In season one of the Raise Your Game Show, I went back to my vault and pulled out eight of my most powerful interviews ever. From the likes of Gary V, Kevin Durant, Mark Cuban, and Brad Stevens, and re-explored their timeless wisdom. In season two, I unpacked the power of storytelling and take a deeper dive into twelve of my all-time favorite stories. Six of which are signature stories I tell regularly in all of my keynotes workshops and trainings, and six stories which I've rarely told publicly before. I believe captivating storytelling is the most effective way to teach lessons and inspire behavior change. In this season, I hand-selected two good friends and colleagues to share their unique perspective on these stories and to get clarity on the application these lessons have in their areas of expertise. In this episode, I am joined by Kyla O'Connell, a top executive and senior partner at Asher, a world-renowned sales and marketing company. Kyla is a phenomenal speaker, sales trainer, facilitator, and executive coach. Kyla and I are going to unpack and explore my signature story of Steve Nash and his tsunami of touches and why great leaders fill other people's buckets with their contagious enthusiasm and how this directly applies to effective sales and marketing. Let's take a listen to this story when it was performed live on stage during one of my 2019 keynotes. In 2006, Steve Nash won the first of back-to-back MVP titles in the NBA. And Steve Nash is one of my all-time favorite players. And that first year that he won the MVP, he only led the league in two statistical categories. Number one was assists. Those of you that follow basketball, you know, that means he likes to share the sugar. He got everybody else involved. Certainly the mark of a great leader. But the other statistic that he led the NBA in were touches. I'm talking about high fives, fist bumps, and pats on the butt. How could I possibly know that Steve Nash led the NBA in high fives, fist bumps, and pats on the butt? There was a research team from UC Berkeley that was doing an official study, and they were trying to measure to see if there was a direct correlation between showing signs of enthusiasm and actually winning basketball games. So they had an entire research team watch every minute of every NBA game and tally every time a player gave a high five, a fist bump, or a pat on the butt. The Phoenix Suns, who Steve Nash played for, were so enamored with this study, that they hired a full-time intern to keep track of just Steve Nash. Now, by show of hands, how many of you have had a crappy entry-level job before? (laughs) Yeah, can you imagine if that was your job? Yeah, you see this guy over here? Uh, Every time he touches one of these big sweaty guys. uh, Yeah, if you could make a tally mark. In the first game that the intern recorded for Steve Nash, he delivered 239 High fives, fist bumps, and pats on the butt. He is a furnace of human connection. Now, when we're talking about the sports world where physical touches is appropriate, there's actually a physiological transfer of energy when you touch another human being. You can actually raise their level or raise their game through physical touch. Clearly, we're not talking about physical touch in this domain. We're talking about, yeah, (laughs) HR will make sure of that. We we are talking about emotional touches. We are talking about making emotional deposits. These can be done digital, which is one of the the great things about the the digital interconnectivity that we have. But it's all about making consistent touches. That boy's good. That's right. He ain't lying. (laughs) (laughs) and now alan and kyla will unpack this story and explore the most powerful lessons so kyla the first time you heard the steve nash story which is one of my favorites uh what what was your initial response what did you think about at the end of that
0: um, well, you mean just like filling people's buckets or, or touching them physically? Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: well, let's make sure everyone listening understands we, this show is to be HR compliant. Yes. So if you're listening to this in an office, uh, we don't want you to go giving somebody a tap on the backside, but you can certainly find the emotional equivalent of that.
0: <laughs> or, or even yes, or even the, um, so I, I kind of took two two approaches, a, a practical one yeah. and, and more of a uh, strategic one or emotional one, I guess. Yeah, um, A practical one that I took from that um, is a technique that we teach called the 12-touch rule. And f- so for sales, so the the, the the two perspectives that I took from it, one was sales and one was sales management, because I work a lot with sales managers, because that's where I can make the more impact. For sure. Right? But, In sales, um, we teach, it. the studies say it takes 12 touches on a qualified lead before you can expect it to close. And most salespeople give up at touch three. And if you're an impatient driven salesperson like I am, 12 touches sounds like, you know, forever. Um, I was definitely giving up way too fast because of my impatient personality. Mm -hmm. And a lot of salespeople are falling into that um, trap. So this is where you pivot into training, right? Yep. Your instincts will get you a certain to a certain level, but then you have to p- be able to pivot into training. So when I just about hit five or six touches, I want I w- my instincts say move on. Uh-huh. I'm bored with this move on to somebody else. And even that sounds like a lot
1: to some people. Sure. And and before you go on, can you give an example of some of the touches that one would use in sales?
0: Sure. So obviously phone calls and, you know, uh, social media touches are great. It doesn't always have to be, are you ready to buy from me yet? Like these are touches that, um, you know, similar to your Nash story. They're, they're not, not all about making a huge impact. It's about just touching them. Right. So, right. So when you go to LinkedIn and you notice that that customer um, maybe just I don't know uh, won a big deal or they merged with the company and you and you just simply like it or you make a you know nice comment that's a touch yeah right and um, we should be doing that with our best customers anyway um, but they see you you know and what we teach uh, with regard to how sales and neuroscience kind of work together are. Um, through all these different bu- cognitive biases and the one that comes into play here is called the familiarity bias so there's a lot of reasons why it takes 12 touches um, they need to feel more familiar with us they don't mm-hmm. trust us yet um, it might have been a priority when they spoke to you now it's not for some reason um, but it doesn't mean it's not it's no longer qualified right um, maybe they need to, Replace an incumbent, that takes a while, or they need to convince some of the other decision makers that they should consider you. All of that takes time. Yep. And so we instruct them to touch them through many different ways. In fact, this research goes even further and says out of those 12, seven of them need to be quality. Oh. So quality touches are um, back and forth communication. Okay. Right? Right. So I was. Uh, this came into uh, kind of real life for me recently when I was trying to close a large coaching deal. And all of the conversations were going really well. Uh, we had a perfect solution for their needs. I think the pricing was all you know in the budget. Everything looked good. Um, and I had surpassed the 12 touches and we had a couple of maybe five or six um, quality touches where we had some sort of back and forth or phone yeah. calls or whatever. And I remembered, again, pivot to training. Oh, okay, this is an example. Maybe I need one more quality touch. So I looked at my, um, and this is another thing that's really important in sales, too. I think a lot of people think the more that they do, the more activity, the better. And that's not true. It's it's quality, obviously, over quantity. We all know that, yes. right? Say what? I think a lot of people think the more that they do, the more activity, the better. And that's not true. It's, it's quality, obviously, over quantity. We all know that, yes. right? So I... I I looked at my calendar and I found a day that I was free and luckily this prospect was within driving distance, but it was still an hour drive, but yeah. I was like, okay, I'm going to try a different approach. and I'm going to invite him for lunch. So I, I emailed him and I called him. So we always say the one, two yep. approach. Right. Um, and I said, I just had when next Wednesday open up, uh, look, you know, would you like to go to lunch? My treat. We can talk about, you know, what, uh, what, what we're working on together for sure. And, uh, he took me up on it. It was just kind of dumb luck, but he, you know, I gave him a week's notice and yep. he took me up on it. So that was a Wednesday. Uh, we came down, I had a great lunch with him. Um, he was able to spend time with me, which I realized was the issue. He didn't yet totally, wasn't totally bought on me yet. Yeah. So, um, we were able to work through all that. Not that, not that he said it, but I could sense it. For you sure. Know? And, um. I had the sign, si- signed contract by that Friday. Oh, wow. So it just shows you when you pivot into training and you remember the the training and don't just follow your instinct. Because my instinct would have been to just shoot off an email Yes. and, you know, something that he could ignore or just, I'm not ready yet, but I don't know why. Right. So um, think strategically when you're making these touches, especially if you're pretty deep into it, you know. Don't just fire it off. Slow down. Yeah. Slow down to speed up. And right? have some
1: intention and some purpose behind it. And yeah. It, and also, from what you're saying, it makes me think that uh, clearly all touches are not created equal. Right. Uh, that you sitting down and inviting someone to a couple hour long lunch is not the same as liking their picture on Facebook. <laughs> right. Uh, both
0: but it all adds are up. important. Of course yeah. it
1: all adds up. But, you know, I would think, you know, uh, for some players, Steve Nash can just give him a quick fist bump and mm-hmm. that's enough. Other players, he might have to put their arm around them and talk to them for three minutes, you know, at yeah. halftime to be able to fill their bucket. So part of it too, I think is being chameleon like enough to know Mm -hmm. what touches work best. You know, I would imagine too, in your work, um, and I don't want to stereotype different age ranges, but maybe if a prospect is 65, a text message is not going to mean the same to them as if they were 25 Right. and you want to learn how to speak their language. So maybe in that case, a quick handwritten note might you know, uh, get resonate with them better. Right. Um, generally speaking, what's kind of the time frame? and I'm sure that it varies a lot over mm-hmm. what you're selling. Like how long does it take to get these 12 touches in? Cause I assume you don't want to hit someone with six touches in one day and they're <laughs> like, chill out, Kyla. I right. got it. You're interested. Is this Two weeks is this? Well,
0: um, it depends on your sales cycle time, okay. right? So, um, and one of the things that I said that was critical is twelve touches on a qualified lead. Mm. So, qualified lead means there was a conversation, right? So, if I'm I'm hiring you, Alan, to come speak to my sales team, and you know that that conference is in three months, yeah, then you're going to contact them probably once a week, yeah, right? But if they, if I'm saying, Alan, I'm thinking about this, um, it's next September, yep. Then it's slower, gotcha. certainly. So it depends on the sales cycle time and what their time frame is. Um, I'm trying to close two uh, important uh, trainings right now, and they're both in January. So I'm contacting yeah. them every day because, like, guys, you know, and it's not just mindless contact. It's for sure. You know, um, we're trying to get this done, or we're not. And let's move on. <laughs>
1: well, and one thing that just popped in my head, I would love to know the reverse side because obviously, I mean, you have just so much experience and expertise on the sales side. Uh, but before you were telling me you were just recently a customer because you got yourself a new car. Oh, here we so go. now yeah. you're on the other <laughs> side of it. And I'm just curious uh, when you're playing the role of of oh. customer in this instance, especially if you had, you know, we live in a day and age where you can do so much due diligence. Like you could almost know exactly what car you want before yeah. you even walk in. And it's almost like, I want that one. Give me the best price you can. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, uh, how does that change? And then, as the the customer, if you go in to look at a car, are you expecting to get twelve touches back before you make the decision to actually purchase it, or is it a little bit different based yeah. on your
0: experience? No, I should have. I should have qualified that. That uh, research is for B two B, so business to business. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Where the sales are longer. Oh, right? okay. Um. But B to C, business to consumer sales, um, you know, it's a a shorter time frame. Yeah. It's a shorter sales cycle. So you might not get all 12 in. Yeah. The reason why it's 12 is because it's business to business selling. There's usually a couple of people that need to approve and then you got to get cut, checks cut or W9 signed, and all that kind of stuff takes a longer time.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. And but are you finding anything is changing with all of this with technology like are, are the number of touches today different than they were 20 to 30 years ago now that we've got social media and 20 years ago you couldn't like someone's Facebook page <laughs> or comment on their LinkedIn yeah, I, I would do you, say think you, it's probably have
0: go, you have to contact them more probably even yeah I would that. think yeah. so because yeah. there's so
1: much more noise too yeah and they're probably being hit with with so many Distractions. other
0: things. yeah I mean exactly so and that's why we do spend a lot of time on leveraging the power of LinkedIn yep because most of the people we train our business to business salespeople. But if you're B2C, then yeah, you're going to be more on uh, platforms like uh, Facebook or Instagram or whatever. Gotcha. But um, I mean, we all know some of these household names now who have built empires through touching many times. They're they're, they're touching people a lot. But yes, definitely more often with B2C than, I mean, you all know that even with, um, you know, if you want to research anything on your phone, you're, just get comfortable seeing that for the next, you know, ninety days. It oh, happens your-
1: all the time. With the retargeting. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they are going to follow you around yeah, you can't for plenty of time. Be
0: careful what you research because yeah. you're not you're gonna be like dreaming about it. And, and but those that's all the up- familiarity bias again.
1: Yes. And then those of course are uh, digital automated touches, yeah. you know, um, which I would love your perspective on. See, I'm kind of from the belief that now that most businesses are moving towards more automation and digitizing more stuff, that these personalized, customized touches mean even more now. Yeah, and that's again in sport where I can physically give you a high five or a fist bump. I mean, we have that that kind of intimate connection there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would imagine in sales and in business, you've got to cut through a lot of that automated clutter and find ways to really stand out. I mean, I. Always always keep bringing up handwritten note because it's, it's one that's so obvious to me, but, um, is that true? Do, do businesses and sales professionals need to start zigging since the rest of the world is
0: zagging? I mean, there's cliches of, you know, what's old is new again, uh-huh. you know, uh, everything is cyclical. I mean, all those things certainly, uh, apply and you're right. A handwritten note is definitely going to stand out. Um, but I, I, think when, when I was thinking about this story, Alan, um, the other Facet of where I thought it applied was was with regard to sales managers. Yeah. And this is more of the emotional touching that I was kind of referring to. Um, What ends up happening oftentimes with uh, sales managers is they uh, end up uh, forgetting to recognize their elite salespeople. And you think, well, they're recognized in their paycheck, right? You know, but um, and that's true, certainly. But to to reach an elite level, uh, which means, you know, in in my kind of layman's terms of of that, is you know, those are the twenty percent of the reps that are bringing in eighty percent of the revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, certainly they get rewarded by by their pay, but um, they all are human, right? They all have of course. different ways that they want to feel touched or appreciated. Say what? Yeah, certainly they get rewarded by by their pay, but um, they all are human, right? They all have of course. different ways that they want to feel touched or appreciated. Um, so it's really our sales manager's role and job to make sure that they find out how that person, what is important to that person. And uh, we're both fans of Gary V. Yeah, know, of course. And, um, there's a, a video that he has. Um, on LinkedIn, about um, where he's almost yelling at CEOs in the in the audience, saying, "If you're not in touch with what motivates your team, then you know they're going to leave." Yeah, and that's there's nothing more important than you can what than you can do as a CEO is to understand how to touch your key people. Don't take them for granted. The same thing. Um, what, what drove some, you know, John Smith at 21 is not going to be the same thing that drives him at 31. Of and course. it's your r- role to know that. And, uh, we have a superstar on our team and we have lots of them, but there's yeah. one that comes to mind and, um, she just really did an amazing job this year. And, um, I wanted to recognize her in a different way. Of course, she's going to have a nice paycheck, but sure. she's earned it. Yes. Let's give her something that just shows that we're thankful. Above and beyond. Yeah. And, um, you know. I think that it's just common um, default position for sales managers to get distracted with the reps that need all the help, you know, the ones that yeah. are struggling. And, um, you know, that's where organizations like ours can come in and help them, you know, with different strategies and techniques to, to help those guys or maybe find a different role for them. Maybe it's not working, um, but we cannot forget to recognize and touch the people who are keeping the lights on
1: for sure. Yeah. Now I'm sure you probably use a different measure. This just reminds me of the five love languages. Mm-hmm. And at least the sure. theory of let me find out what language you speak and then as the leader or the sales manager, I need to come to you and speak your language, not make you speak mine. I'm going to come to your yep. sandbox to play and and I think that's vital. And I mean it's incredibly realistic, especially if you're dealing you have 15 to 20 people on your team. Mm-hmm. There's no reason that you don't learn Every single one of those, their, their personality style, their learning style, their preferences, you know, do they want you to be more direct? Do they need to have, you know, can they take the Tylenol pill or do they need to have it smashed in applesauce before (laughs) they can take it? Which one, but it's important that we deliver it in the way that they want.
0: Yeah. And if you can't, if there's just too much commitment of your time to handle that, to, to get to know the people at that level and to, to, to really create that culture, then that's usually a sign that you need, you need help you know, whether it's yeah. with a consultant or, um, another level director or somebody to, to give them, that's why teams have assistant coaches yes. you know, that the head coach can't do it all.
1: Well, and that's, I find that interesting. I, I forget where I heard it from, but someone said something to the effect of, you know, if, if a manager or an executive's response is, well, that's, you know, I don't have time for that extra work. And he said, no, that's not extra work. That is the work. Yeah, That is what you're supposed to be doing. A lot yeah. of these other things that are monopolizing your time, that's the extra stuff. But really, what could be more important than getting to know your people, getting to know what needs to be done for them to perform at the highest level, and then delivering on that? I mean, that's ultimately what a leader should be doing.
0: Right. And, and you and I are both very passionate about language, but we're also yeah. passionate about listening. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's always interesting to me when I'm in training and um, I share with the team or the participants that day that, that asking questions and listening is the second weakest Selling skill among salespeople. Mm. The first weakest is closing. I won't leave your audience in like, yeah. What's the fr- What's yeah. the weakest one? You know, <laughs> uh, is closing, and that's a that's another that's another uh, conversation. But listening, and I can tell as a, a sales uh, consultant and trainer, um, within seconds, if someone has experience or not, or someone is at the elite level or not, and it and it it's because of how they listen. I can tell, as a, a sales uh, consultant and trainer, um, within seconds if someone has experience or not, or someone is at the elite level or not, and it and it it's because of how they listen, you uh-huh. know. And what are you
1: what are you looking for?
0: Um, I'm looking for people who just um, you know obviously build some rapport, mm-hmm. you know, and build that trust, and then um, have a genuine interest in learning about that other person's position. Um, it's not fake. You're not just going through the motions. Um, you're patient. Um, and this is this is a challenge for me. Um, I do have a high aptitude for sales, so a lot of the things that are required to be successful do I have like kind of a a natural instinct yeah. for. This is not one of them. Oh. this is where I have to again shift into training and literally talk about, you know, getting your head right. Um I have to have the highest level of awareness to do it because it's not something that comes natural to me. People who are a little bit less extroverted, mm-hmm. uh, it usually comes more natural to them. And, and that's very, um, I think, a relief for people in our classes who might be a little more introverted um, to know that, okay, this, this critical piece of the sales process is going to be more natural for them. Because they, they want to ask questions. They want to have the other person speaking. They don't want all the attention on themselves. Yes. Um, and extroverts can, can get there. It's just It's just using their training versus their instincts.
1: I love how you keep referring to everything is going back to the training or using the training. I mean, that's, again, that's a mindset. And it's saying, okay, we've got specific skill sets that we're working to master and we mm-hmm. master them through repetition and through practice. So when I'm in a situation where maybe actively listening is not coming naturally to me at right. the moment, I have to fall back on my training because yeah. I've done things with someone like you that have taught me, all right, what are the building blocks of being a great listener? All right, let's go back to those right now. And of course it takes a self-awareness to recognize When you're in those situations, but there's no difference between what you're saying and someone in the sports world. You know, there's three seconds left in the game and it's tied. We're not going to just start making stuff up right now. We're (laughs) going to go back to everything we've been practicing for weeks. Right. And we're going to recall that. And that gives us our best chance to win.
0: Or, Or free throws might not be natural. Yes. Right. So. We, they all have to do it at some point yep they're relying on their training versus somebody that's just natural at it yes. you know they don't have to work as hard I don't have to work as hard as rapport build, at rapport building but somebody who's a natural introvert introvert yes. would right they're they're thinking in their mind okay what are the questions that would you know get someone to you know want to open up to me because for sure you know that might not come natural to me
1: and so. I think even this goes back to the 12 touch rule I think for some people 12 touches is probably Uh, As my kids say, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Like this is just natural for me to constantly reach out with touch points where someone else might have to be a little bit more methodical. They might even have to document it and say, on this date, I sent so-and-so a card. On this date, I called them because it's just not as free-flowing. But this goes back to the training.
0: Well, and another thing you and I are both very passionate about, process, right? Yeah. I just remember the process of listening, perfect listening. You follow a three-step process. Actually, it's four steps. But the first step is just you're totally focused on the person and their point of view. So Stephen Covey talks about this in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, the uh, the idea of active listening. Yeah. Right? And none of us are really wired to do it. We have to, to be active at it. Yeah. Um, so you're not thinking about you know the argument you had with your, you know, son on the way down, or you're not thinking about <clears throat> where you're going that evening. You're completely locked in to what that person is saying. Um, that's not easy to do. No,
1: especially with distractions today. Yeah, with phones buzzing and things ringing and laptops open and all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's hard. But this, to me, if you've practiced the skill set of turning phones face down and closing laptops and get, you know, closing doors and being fully present, making eye contact. Now you've resort, now it just makes the, you, you've reduced friction in that environment. Totally. So number one is active, active listening. listening.
0: Totally focus on the, on the other person. Um, and not not thinking about what you're going to say next. That's mm. another challenge.
1: That's always been my hardest one.
0: Yeah. Um, number two is asking permission to take notes and then take notes. Mm. Um, it sounds, a lot of this sounds so basic, but I yep. know you're a fan yeah, you of the basics. You know I love the basics, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I have witnessed elite salespeople not ask permission to take notes and not take notes. And I'm like, how are you figuring this out? How are you even remembering these things? And then I teach them, you know, some little nuance here, which seems really simple and they, they're already great and they even get, get even better. I bet. Right. So, um, you know, you reason why you ask permission to take notes is you're, you're, uh, you know, showing respect. Yep. You're also, um, Allowing them to say yes, which is a good thing. It Mm -hmm. gets them in. Gets them practicing. Ready to say yes. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, taking notes. And taking notes is a visual that you're actively listening. Yes. It shows that you're taking their conversation uh, seriously and yep. so it'll force them to act more seriously as well and slows the whole process down I
1: was going to say I bet it helps pace because mm-hmm. if, if I saw you writing down everything I'm saying right now you're going
0: to be thoughtful about it I'm right? going to be thoughtful <laughs> and
1: I'm going to because I tend to have a very natural fast rate of speech so now I'm, I'm going to take a breath when I see you really frantically writing something down and yeah. now it, it makes it more of a dance and mm-hmm. less of this this one-sided thing I like exactly.
0: that and then the third key technique is to summarize and feed back. For agreement. Yes. Right. So whether you're. I've on
1: stolen the, that one from you. I use good. that one all the time. Call it a list back. Yeah. And just list back what they said, right? Right.
0: So whether you're on the phone, you do it verbally, or you're in person. Um, and, and you know what what happens is um, their trust increases to like seventy eighty percent mm. because what ha- it's actually a therapist technique too, right? Yep. So when um, a patient starts to talk about their problems and a therapist is taking notes and writing it down, the therapist very often will say, um, "So, Alan, what I am hearing you say is," and then as they repeat and summarize what they heard, you are now feeling. Uh, like a different perspective, right? You're you're hearing it from just someone else's mouth. They could say the exact same words, but they won't. They'll summarize it in their words. And now what happens in the seller and uh, buyer community Dynamic is now that seller feels like we're collaborating. Yeah. This is no longer, you're not trying to sell me anything. No. We're, we're collaborating. We're working together. It's win win. Yeah. And then what I say, so that's the three keys, the the techniques, the three step process. The, yes. four, the fourth step, I think, is the, the cherry on top, which is um, summarize it in an email afterwards. Oh, yeah. You know, because that's just good practice and to promptly, get into. I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I always tell people if, If you have no other differentiator between you and your competitor, and this is the only thing that's like really makes you stand out. That's a big one. That you will win more business. Say what? If you have no other differentiator between you and your competitor, and this is the only thing that's like really makes you stand out. That's a big one. That you will win more business. Because so many salespeople, the the data is amazing. 95% of buyers say that salespeople talk too much. (laughs) Yeah, and it's true.
1: I can see that. Yeah, and and I think tying it back to the the Nash story, you know, when you give someone a high five or a fist bump or a pat on the backside, I mean, you were you were physically showing them that you care about them mm-hmm. and you're trying to raise their game. I think what's so cool about the steps you just mentioned is now you're unconsciously telling them that. Yeah, I unconsciously know that if you're taking notes, that this conversation is important to you right. and that you want to remember it correctly. Mm-hmm. And then when you recite back to me what I said in my own language unconsciously I'm like, she was listening. And if she's listening, she probably cares about me and who doesn't want to do business with someone that you believe cares about them and, and trust them and so forth. So I, yeah, this is, this is the definition of something that should be so basic and common sense. We should all be doing it. Yeah. Um, but people aren't. And you know, I would imagine as I always try to parlay things into the personal life as well. There's probably not many personal conversations where you're going to say, uh, do you mind if I take Take notes, notes. (laughs) but you can do the other steps. You can absolutely actively listen with your warm body language and eye contact, and then you should be able to recite back in therapist style. Mm -hmm. So Kyle, if I'm hearing you correctly, you said this, this, and this, and yeah, maybe in a personal conversation, you don't have to follow it up with an email the next day, but two out of those four steps. Directly relate to any conversation you would have, whether it's with your children, whether it's with your your spouse, whatever.
0: Absolutely, and and you know, I was I was just uh, coaching a team of sales, younger salespeople um, about to really hit their stride, mm-hmm. and they had requested uh, that we spend some time on prospecting techniques. So I said, okay, great. So I got a, you know got up and went to the board, and we started talking about LinkedIn and how to strategize, and you know, starting it into the blo- blocking and tackling of of skills, you know? And, um, they were getting excited. You could tell oh, this is different. This is great. I love this. And then I saw this like look of concern on one of their faces and, uh, he raised his hand. I said, you don't have to raise your hand. Like, (laughs) um, I said, what's going on? And he said, um, Kyla, all of this sounds really great, but I'm afraid to sell anything right now because we're having some operational problems and I'm afraid to bring in any new accounts. Mm. Because you or don't think you can support we, them. Because they're having some some challenges. And um, so that was a perfect, that was a pivotal moment for me as a, a coach to recognize. Because I could have said, well, get over it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> get your mindset in the right place. Absolutely. you Absolutely.
1: Know? Um, Let us worry about that. You right, just do what you're supposed to do.
0: Right, right. And then I looked around the room and I saw concern on, oh yeah, it's affected my, oh. my deals too. And then I said, okay, uh, time out here. If I don't stop, right now sit down with them and listen then uh that's the elephant in the room like nothing else that i teach them matters if they're afraid to sell their product right or their solution so um it took about 45 minutes off of our day Mm -hmm. um i came away um, i listened to them i told them that they were the the uh soldiers in the battlefield and that their generals needed to listen to them, Mm -hmm. and I um, went over, summarized what I heard, and I asked their permission if I could share it with the generals, you know, the the leaders. And they said, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much. We feel heard. And it's just, you know, I I don't think I have to worry about, uh, you know, the next time there's a – our contract is up and I have to, um, you know, re-sign their contract because um, those – acts of listening and, and that was so much more valuable than even any amount of money because now they feel like they were, li- and then, then we could get back to yeah. the skills, you know, but if they had not felt heard, I think I would have lost them.
1: If you'd like to read about this signature story in my book, raise your game. You can order a team set for everyone in your organization. I can even offer you a 40% discount and can sign each copy. And if you really want to raise your game, you should check out my new facilitator guidebook and team member workbook, two reinforcement resources to help guide your team to higher performance. Just visit RaiseYourGameBook.com or email me directly at AllenAllenSteinJr.com at for more info or to order now. Well, that's it from me. I hope this has helped you raise your game. <laughs>